New Testament, book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all to gather in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language. We hear them speaking God's deeds of power. All of them were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you propose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through this prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my soul upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Have you guys ever seen had a phone like this? Let me. I'm going to go back in the 70s, in 19, 1976 or 1978. Now this was in your kitchen, right? And it had this long cord for about 12 feet. And you were mobile when you were using that phone, weren't you? Look, I can walk over here to the stove. I can walk over here. You're just tying everybody else up in the room. And look, if I stretch it, really straight, I can watch TV and talk on the phone. This was technology at its best. And if you notice, it's a rotary phone, and when you had to call somebody, you had to actually know the number. And so when you're calling 1-800-201-7000, and you're seriously going, oh shoot, I got, look how many zeros in there. You'll get it if you're my age. 
because when you're on the road of your phone and you go eight, zero, and you go and then you have to sit there and watch that stupid thing go around back. Then you go back zero again and it goes zero again. It takes a half hour. Am I right? Do you remember that? And you're going, come on. <laughs> but I was wondering if in 1978, if I came back, and someone came back in 2018 and came to me while I'm standing by my high-tech phone and said, hey, guess what? In the future, that phone, you can take pictures. I go, with the phone? Yeah. And you can store it on the phone. I go, why would I need to take pictures on that phone? It's convenient. And I go, really? I don't want, I got a camera. I don't need to do that. But guess what? In the future, you don't need to talk to anybody. You can send them text messages through a keyboard. I go, how does the keyboard fit on the phone? Oh, no, this is not a standard-sized keyboard. That's a keyboard like this. So when you take typing classes like this, you can't do it. You got to do it with one letter. So I go, well, so let me understand this. So if I'm calling somebody and I say, hey, what are you doing Friday? And they say, well, I, nothing. You want to do something? Yes, let's go see Star Wars. What time of the show? Let's go see 7.45. He goes, that's complicated. You text it. And then you send it. And then you have to wait forever, hoping they read it. And then they send it back to you. And then so instead of a five-minute conversation now, it's roughly it takes about three hours. I go, and this is up to date? Oh, yeah, but isn't the typing terrible? Oh, no, we have all kinds of fancy technology. We don't have to type the entire word now. Like if you're saying, hey, have a great day. Why well, go G-R-E-A-T? Forget that. You just say G-R numeric 8. That's great. Grr 8. Get it? I go, wow, I saved two letters? Yeah. And then when you're laughing, you go LOL. And I go, seriously, why would I want them to know that I'm laughing? No, it's funny. LOL. What does that mean? Laughing out loud. Oh, this is high tech. And then they got one called LMAF. I go, what is that? He goes, I can't tell you. <laughs> you all know what it is. Literally, how do you laugh that thing off? In 1978, we don't say, oh boy, I just laughed my thing off. But somehow, this is the greatest tech. And so when I hear, this is one of you guys, I won't say who, texts me these five little things, and I'm Googling it. L-D-W-A-Y-Z, whatever they're doing, and I go, meaning. And so now I'm sitting there, <laughs> I'm sitting there like a de uh, uh, code, do you think, the code reader that you get in cereal boxes in the 1970s, where you got a whole code and you got to figure out what they mean with different letters? And you go, why is this more technology? Now, it's interesting in text messages, we get hurt. Because what we do is we try to read something that's not necessarily there. Because when we communicate with each other, we eliminate 80% of all communication. I can't read anyone's body language. I can't read anyone's movement. I can't read anyone's tone in the voice. So when we give me this one word answer, I go, what do they mean by that? Are they mad at me or are they this? 
or when they're not responding because they actually have a real job and they haven't responded to you with you in two seconds and you're too lazy. You know what phones actually do talk? You know that, right? That you don't know. I'm not calling. I texted him. He didn't text me back. And so it's fascinating to me when it comes to communication. Do we really know how to communicate better now than we did in 1978? We have all kinds of technology right now of, of, of ways to communicate. And we got these dumb little things called emojis or gifts to kind of share the emotion of an animated thing going, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and happy. And you go, oh my goodness, this guy's nuts. And so if you look on the screen in our country, even when we are speaking English, it doesn't sometimes seem like we are talking a different language. There's sometimes we get hurt or bent out of shape and we're speaking the same language, but we're just not communicating. We're just not understanding. Years ago, I was told, you know, God has given you two ears and one mouth, use it in proportion. But basically, we don't listen long, do we? We talk more. And so let's say this, that I decided, you know what, I want to get this church ticked off. And I decided, you know what, over here, I want all the Democrats on one side, all the Republicans on the other side. And we're going to talk about Roe versus Wade. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. We're going to talk about everything that we can argue about. We would argue. Whatever direction I would, I would tick some, somebody off and let alone gun control, you know, and stuff like this. And so we look at Facebook and social media, Instagram and all that stuff, and we say, wow, we can communicate much more effective now, but yet we don't, do not communicate effectively. And my goodness, it's almost like, you know, when I, I watched the Mueller Report live, <laughs> and I won't get into it, but I was watching the Mueller Report live, and Mueller gets up and reads this for 10 minutes. So what I decided to do, I got home and I said, I went to YouTube and I watched Fox News and I went to YouTube and I watched CNN. And you would think that we're watching a completely different Mueller report. Both of them were completely biased and there, there's no communication whatsoever. And so not only do we do this as a country, but we also do this with individuals. And so, therefore, we learn to talk over somebody, talk at somebody, talk around somebody. We learn how to communicate. It's very interesting that, do you, have you ever talked to somebody and you know deep down they're not listening to a word you're saying? All you have to do is this. And this is where you can do this. Oh, that just makes someone feel at home, just love, when you just roll your eyes and take a deep breath. Or you know when someone's talking to you, you're going, what's my next point? What's my next point? How can I shut them up? And they use an analogy of what you said to use it against you. I mean, we're really smart. We're like luring up with each other. And all of a sudden, nobody's listening. Nobody's getting along, and we're yelling at each other. And so sometimes we score points. In 1992, when I was a youth pastor at the Herman Community Church, do you guys remember this? If you were in 1992, I just remembered um, Rodney King. Now, understand this. Like Elsa, who works with us, wasn't even born. She was born in 1996, right? I'm going, my goodness, we're getting old. 
And so I remember sitting with the, young, the youth that night when everything was ashes, and I would say, do not talk to anybody. Just go home and stay home. You know, this is, don't go watch a fire, because we were right in the middle of it back then. And so, therefore, fascinating about Rodney King. We all know the story about Rodney King, but he says one famous line that I always remember, that basically that all the news cameras were on him, and he said this, can we all just get along? And he said it in a shaking voice. And I was thinking, no, we can't. And that's why I titled the sermon title, uh, Can We All Get Alone? Apparently not. Now, last week I talked about the historical uh, view of the Bible. But if you look at human history, human history from the day of creation of humans have not gone along. There's been fight, war after war after war, craziness, and you're going, my goodness, this is nuts. And so when we read the Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you want to pronounce it, that's an ancient story that, that happened of people about not getting along. And so it's so powerful, and the story is really some symbolic rather than literal, but there was a Tower of Babel where they were trying to build up build this huge tower. And if you re remember in the scripture, they wanted to make a name for themselves. That's what they wanted to do. It was all about them. It was all about their ego. It was all about a narcissistic little attitude. And it's interesting, if you follow me on this, that I was thinking about this, that when it comes to new financial wealth or anything, we cluster together in our self-centeredness. And so therefore, yeah, we're going to be rich. We're going to do this. We're going to build something for ourselves. And so therefore, God, this is a great story I'm about the diversity of the human nature. But I think this story has a deep spiritual meaning. Here, follow me on the screen. Humans project to get along and achieve oneness always fell badly, and people end up more divided as a result. You guys remember Amway? I think Emily's still there. When I first started the ministry, somebody approached me, and I joined it. Because they said, okay, um, they used the analogy of Paul being a tent maker, about earning your income, and then you can have all this time to do ministry. And so I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be rich, and I want to be in ministry. Because prosperity theology, I can't figure that one out. And so, therefore, I was thinking. And so... When I did this, I got my position in 1983, 85, a full-time position at a church, and I was so excited, so I talked to my representative, who was my leader, and I said, you've got to come to my first Sunday. I was so excited. And he said, I don't have time for that. So basically, because I wasn't making money for him, my friendship was over. And I went, dang, dude, we unite together because we're making money together. But when I decide to be different or I have different goals, I'm out of your life. And so that, that spoke volumes to me when it comes um, to the human ego. Because if you look at this, the symbol, symbolicism, symbolic, symbolism, symbolism of this is basically they were trying to build, they were trying to build this tower to elevate themselves to God-likeness. That we're God. Sorry, for God-likeness. And so basically, if you look back on the screen, I said this. So back on the screen, human unity and flourishing 
comes as a result of living within the unifying presence and will of the Creator. Once we move away from God's will and presence, dethroning God and putting herself in God's place, things always go pretty bad fast. That is because we are built to be in communion with God. When we break that communion, we become dysfunctional, and we break down of human community always follows. We stop speaking the same language of sacrificial love and start speaking the different language of individual or self-interest. This is why God stopped the Tower of Babel, because he's saying, you guys are not built this way. You guys were not created for the self-centeredness. You're created to work together as a body. That's what, what God was doing. And so if you look at the reading today, the scripture reading looks like it goes all over the place. But when we read the, the Pentecost, and, I don't, and this is interesting, it just it connects with the Tower of Babel. Instead, it's interesting because if you look at the Tower of Babel, they were unified of building a tower, and then it kind of fell apart. But the Pentecost, on, on, on this one, the story that we read in the New Testament, is they were very diverse, but yet they came together. They spoke different languages, not the same language, but yet they were unified together. They waited upon the Holy Spirit. They waited upon the Lord to direct them. But yet they were very different in their personalities and who they are, different in the cultures. So in this Acts story, the Holy Spirit gives them the power to speak in different languages so that everyone can gather together and understand that it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that speaks in their own language. In the Tower of Babel, the story, the people scattered apart to go pursue their own self-agendas. It was about their individualism. <laughs> and so when we look at the book of Acts, the diverse group of people who are unified in the book of Acts, they hear the good news spoken in their own language, but it's all the same news. See, in order for me to have unity within my marriage, I have to have diversity, right? My wife is not a clone of me. Thank God. She's, she's a strong woman. And I'm a strong, well, a lot of you don't think that, but <laughs> let me believe that. I'm a strong man that has a backbone. Not necessarily with her, but with a lot of other people. But yet, we're unified. There's a big difference between unity and conformity. Because there's no need for unity if there's, con if there's conformity. There has to be diversity in order to have unity. And this is what the book of Acts is talking about. These guys were all unified under the Holy Spirit, but yet they were so diversified in their cultures, in their language, and the thing. And so following on the screen, the Holy Spirit, or very present of God, is a difference. Where the Holy Spirit is present, there's always unity. No matter how diverse a group may be, the Holy Spirit empowers people to love themselves and each other the way Christ loves. Where there is disunity, even in the church, it is a sign that people have gotten out the presence of the Spirit into their own personal and selfish agenda. Now, follow me this. We've all been to church that we're here, church politics, right? It's just, that's what we heard. Or we've all been hurt by a church, 
And the reason why we've been disappointed or hurt by the church, including with self, is because of self-centeredness. Without the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's about their ego. And it's interesting how the ego works is when we have fear in our life, our ego kicks in. When we have a fear of losing control, when we have a fear of getting this or fear of this or fear of this, then all of a sudden our ego kicks in instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to kick in. Now, this is all of a sudden, this is where you have control issues. I have control issues. We all have control issues. When we have control issues, it's because of fear. We want things to go right. We want things to go this way. Like, for instance, my wife is on an airplane right now. What am I sitting there praying for? Please, Lord, let that plane stay in the sky and land. You always think that, right? Or what would I do if something happens? Well, I do this. Because fear, the ego kicks in, and not the Holy Spirit. And so this is interesting to me when it came to church. Because remember, communion is such a time to commune, right? The word communion. Paul is getting on the church of Corinth. If you think you've been to dysfunctional churches, go back in history and hang out in the church of Corinth. This church was nuts. And so basically, what they did in communion, they always had communion after a meal. And so they, the church had a meal together and then communion. The rich people just ate everything. And so you got the poor people going, there's nothing to eat. And then the rich people decide, you know what, I'm going to have a lot of communion. So they got drunk. Now, can you imagine our communion? All of a sudden, you're waiting for communion, you got half the church plastered because they just drank everything. You go, this church is crazy. And this was the church of Corinth. It was nuts. Follow me on the screen. They were fighting over who was qualified to be the leaders. They were fighting over who was more spiritual-based on who spoke in tongues the most. Back then, when they had communion, they shared a meal. But many of the wealthier churches goers were hoarding the food and not sharing uh, with those in need. And what was worse, people were getting drunk on the communion wine and getting in conflict. And so the people of the Corinth church were fighting who spoke in tongues the most. And so this is a true story. And um, when I first went into ministry, there was two people fighting, saying, you know, I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm filled with the Spirit. He was Arabic. So he goes, what? So he says the Pledge of Allegiance in Arabic. I'm telling you, everyone thought this dude was filled with speaking in tongues because nobody knew Arabic. So he spoke it. And so he goes, you know, like a little cocky kid, and what you was, and it was funny because I had no idea what he was doing, but this is what was going on. They were bragging. So there's a new version of the Bible that I bought into, and I want you guys to have this version. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 18 through 19. This is Apostle Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He said, do you think you are, so, you are so spiritual because you speak in tongues so much? Whoop-dee-doo. I speak in tongues more than you, all of you combined. So what? I would rather speak five helpful words in a language you can understand than 10,000 words of gerberish you can. That helps nobody but myself. I didn't know you put my version. But, yeah, if I wrote the Bible, it would be really interesting to read. 
But I'm, I'm telling you right now, what's fascinating about this, uh, go on your phone, not your phone in the kitchen, and just type in 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19. That translation is very close to what it said. Because Paul was fed up with these guys. Paul was fed up with them. And so basically he was dealing with total immaturity that was self-centered. You know what some of the best advice, my, my, my um, Bob Monarch Bonnick, my accountability, you know, some of the best advice is the hardest advice. You know, is that right? And so I was going, stop it. So this is what he said. Get over yourself. I go, dang, dude, I didn't want to hear that. Now, don't tell your spouse, get over yourself when you're in an argument. But that's what the ego is. When you get over yourself, you're not allowing the ego to kick in. And so I'm telling you, if you tell me to get over myself, I'm going to remember that until you go through something and I'm going to use the same words against you. <laughs> it doesn't work. My wife once said, build me a bridge. No, uh, cry me a river, build me a bridge and get over it. Piss me off. I go, oh, that was good. So five months later, she was having a bad day. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to say, cry me a river, build me a bridge and get over it. That went over like a lead balloon with her. So I go, note to self, don't use somebody's advice for them, okay? So anyway, so if we look at the screen here, it's basically uh, Ronnie King's, um, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, it says, if I speak in tongues and morals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong clinging symbol. Let me tell you this. I don't have any children. And this is what I want to do. On Father's Day, if I bought all your little kids gifts and they go, oh, that's so nice. Look what the pastor bought you. Let's open it together. And all of a sudden you're opening it and it was symbols. Clinging symbols. And your son or daughter goes, bam, 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 bam. You know, and I'm going, hey, this is cool. You go, this is the most annoying little gift, and you're not a parent, I can tell already. You know, because if think about this. Kids with symbols is annoying. And that's what Paul's saying. If you do this without love, you're just annoying. Nobody wants to be around you without love. You can know everything. You can be smart, Alec. You, you know, we know it all. But without love, this is how you're coming across. You're annoying. And this is what Paul is saying here. And so going back to <laughs> Ronnie, oh, geez. <laughs> I, okay. On the screen, can we all get along? Ronnie King's, apparently not. Not without the unifying force of the Holy Spirit. Not without surrendering our ego-driven wills to the loving purpose of God in our lives in this world. We have so much fear in our lives that has to be driven driven by our egos. When we learn how to let go of our fear and trust God, then our egos do not need to kick in. It's really fascinating here when we depend on Holy Spirit. Not to on verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. And this is interesting, will teach you. It's not a natural thing. Everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to the world. The world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let them be afraid. That's what I want. Happiness is overrated. But I want peace. Don't you? I want peace in the situation that I'm facing. I want peace in the life when everything's going crazy. And the lack of peace, my ego kicks in. I get frustrated and try to have control. But man, I have peace. Peace that what? Passes all understanding. We don't think peace is something that we understand. But the peace that passes all understanding. Now, let me finish with this. And I'm going to throw Fred. You know Fred? Fred's right there, sitting right there. I'm going to throw him under the bus. You do mind? But see, there, there, are, proto, there are protocols, right? <laughs> there are protocols. I asked permission if I could do this. You're not thinking I'm crazy. There are protocols that are unspoken, correct? Like when men use the bathroom. You don't use urinals next to each other. You use gaps. You're not taught that. You just know it. And when you use the restroom, you don't talk to anybody. You don't have eye contact with anybody. That's protocol. And so when you hug someone, what's the protocol with your head? Go left, right? When you hug, you know that. You just left. You don't have to be taught that. You just know it. But Fred is different. I go left, Fred goes right. And I go, Fred, has anyone taught you on the process of hugging? Because we're doing a lip lock or a head butt, whatever we do every time I hug you, because he's at the door. And I, I don't get it. I, and Fred was new to the church, and I, I didn't say anything. So when Fred comes, I have to go, okay, which way is your head going now? <laughs> but what Fred does, he explains it. He goes, when you go to the right, our hearts touch. And so it's heart to heart. That's the meaning. And I go, I get it. I get it. And this is how we need to love each other, heart to heart. Sometimes it may be different, a different way that's uncomfortable. Now, I'm not going to go to the door today because I don't know what the heck you guys are going to do. Whether it's going left or right, right, left, down, up, down. You know, because I know I've got some jokesters here. But that's how we need to speak with each other, is heart to heart. That's when we need to love each other heart to heart. Because when we do speak to each other heart to heart, the fear goes. All of us want to be loved. All of us are trying to make it in life. None of us want to be judged. All of us want a safe place to walk, to live, to come to church.
Let's stand together for prayer. We can uh, pray together. Um, so when I say we pray, if you'll join me, come Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Ever living, ever loving God, we praise you for your loving presence with us. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Take and transform our societies that broken people find healing, that lonely people find love, that bitter people find peace, that fearful people find hope. We pray, come, Holy Spirit. Take our world's leaders and governments and bring renewal. That communication can open up. That relationships between hostile people and hostile nations will evaporate. That a hunger for justice will address the hunger for food felt by so many. We pray, come Holy Spirit, fill your church, that our worship will be ever more pleasing to you, that our prayers will change our minds instead of trying to get you to change yours, that our lives will make a real difference to real people in the real world. We pray, come Holy Spirit, let's lift uh, up these uh, prayer requests from our uh, congregation here this morning. Paul, who's here with us this morning, is asking uh, for prayer for his wife, uh, Kinsey. Uh, she had a temporary teaching position that wasn't made permanent and is searching for a new job. So let's pray for Kinsey that she'll be led to the, the right place of employment. And let's lift up uh, Fred's prayer of thanks for continued blessing on the sale of his current residence and his upcoming move. So let's pray for that. Let's pray for those also with Fred, those who are lost, confused, and prodigals. Prayer for those lost and confused. May they see God's love in each of us and come to God. And then with Vera, let's pray for her nephew and his wife, Constantine and Irene, that they'll have a safe vacation. And finally, let's lift up um, Charlotte's request for Anna and Vance, who are two children going into surgery. So we pray together, come, Holy Spirit, fill our lives with your presence so that more and more every day, all that we do and say and hope will be an act of worship to you and an expression of love to others, to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Peace. And the Lord be with you. Let's share the peace of Christ with one another quickly, and then we'll go into our time of communion.
baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and with fire as on the day of Pentecost to unify us so that we may love our world as he did. Let's sing this verse together. We will walk. up for us he took bread gave thanks to you broke the bread gave it to his disciples and said take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me when the supper was over he took the cup gave thanks to you gave it to his disciples and said drink from this all of you this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your church has continued in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's suffering for us. In union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ, Christ is dying. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood and empowered by the gifts of the spirit by your spirit make us one with christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world being known by our love and unity until christ returns in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son jesus christ with the holy spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. 
sing this last verse together. All praise. Let's stand as we sing it. All praise to the accepted us as living members of your son, our Savior. And you have fed us, you're going to feed us with this spiritual food and this sacrament of his body and blood. Send us into your world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and to serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask our servers to come forward.
I read the wrong prayer earlier. Good thing we're uh, at the table of grace and forgiveness. So now you will stand with me and let's uh, pray that together. I think it's on the screen. I'll pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior. You have fed us with spiritual food in this sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into your world in peace. Grant us strength and courage to love and to serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, together we say, just yet. Let's keep singing. Let's sing this chorus out together. Just me. Oh. 